part eleven master johannes wach section four of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part eleven master johannes wach section four besides good dry champagne was sending up its pearly sparkles in a beautifully cut crystal decanter the canon had not unloosed the napkin from his neck but had let it stay where it was when he had received the young lawyer and after the footman had quickly supplied a second cover he proceeded to place the choicest morsels before the despairing lover and to pour out wine for him and then he set to work heartily himself some one once had the hardihood to maintain that the stomach is equivalent to all the other physical and intellectual parts of man put together that is a profane and abominable doctrine but this much is certain that the stomach is like a despotic tyrant or ironical mystifier and often carries through its own will and this was the case in the present instance for instinctively without being clearly conscious of what he was about the young lawyer had in a few minutes devoured a huge piece of bayonne ham created terrible devastation amongst the portuguese garniture put out of sight half a partridge no inconsiderable quantity of truffles and also more strasbourg pates than was exactly becoming in a young advocate full of trouble moreover they both relished the champagne so much that the footman soon had to fill up the crystal decanter a second time the advocate felt a pleasant and beneficial degree of warmth penetrate his vitals and all he experienced of his trouble was a singular sort of shiver which exactly resembled electric shocks causing pain but doing good he proved himself susceptible to the consolations of his patron who after comfortably sipping up his last glass of wine and elegantly wiping his mouth settled himself into position and began as follows in the first place my dear good friend you must not be so foolish as to imagine that you are the only man on earth to whom a father has refused the hand of his daughter but that's nothing to do with the present case as i have already told you the old fool's reason for hating you is so preposterously absurd that it cannot last long and whether it appear to you at this moment nonsensical or not i can hardly bear the thought of all ending in a tame commonplace wedding so that the whole thing may be summed up in the few words peter has wooed greta and peter and greta are man and wife the situation is however so far new and grand in that it is merely hatred against a class to which the beloved foster-son belongs that can furnish the sole lever for setting a new and special tragic development in motion but to the real matter at issue you are a poet my friend and that alters everything your love your trouble ought to appear in your eyes as something magnificent in the full splendours of the sacred art of poesy you will hear the strains of the lyre struck by the muse who is nearest akin to you and in the divine gush of inspiration you will receive the winged words in which to express your love and your unhappiness as a poet you might be called at this moment the happiest man on the earth 
since your heart having been really wounded as deep as it can be wounded your heart's blood is now gushing out you require therefore no artificial incitement to allure you to a poetic mood and mark my words this period of trouble will enable you to produce something great and admirable i must draw your attention to the fact that in these first moments of your unhappiness there will be mingled with it a peculiar and very unpleasant feeling which cannot be woven into any poetry but it is a feeling which soon vanishes away let me make you understand for example after the unfortunate lover has had a good sound drubbing from the enraged father and has been kicked out of the house and the outraged mamma has locked the young lady in her chamber and repelled the attempted storming on the part of the desperate lover by the armed domestics of the house and when plebeian fists have even entertained no shyness of the very finest cloth here the canon sighed somewhat then this fermented prose of miserable vulgarity must evaporate in order that the pure poetic unhappiness of love may settle as sediment you have been fearfully scolded my dear young friend this was the bitter prose that had to be surmounted you have surmounted it and so now give yourself up entirely to poetry here here are petrarch's sonnets and ovid's elegies take them read them write yourself and come and read to me what you have written perhaps in the meantime i also may experience a disappointment in love of which i am not altogether deprived of hopes since i shall in all likelihood fall in love with a stranger lady who is stopped at the white lamb in the steinweg and whom count nesselstedt maintains to be a paragon of beauty and grace albeit he has only caught a fugitive glimpse of her at the window then my friend like the dioscuri we will travel the same bright path of poetry and disappointed love note my good fellow what a great advantage my station in life gives me for every affection which i conceive being a longing and hoping which can never be gratified rises to tragic intensity but now my friend out out away into the woods as you ought to it would doubtless be very wearisome to my kind reader if not unbearable were i to describe here at length in detail and with all sorts of overchoice and exquisite words and phrases all that jonathan and nanny did in their trouble such things may be found in any indifferent romance and it is often amusing enough to see into what postures the struggling author throws himself merely in order to appear original on the other hand it seems to be of great importance to follow master wacht on his walks or rather in his mental journeyings it must appear very remarkable that a man of such strong self-reliant spirit as master wacht who had borne with unshaken courage and unbending steadfastness the most terrible misfortunes that had befallen him and that would have crushed many less stout-hearted spirits could be thus put beside himself with passion at an occurrence which any other father of a family would have regarded as an ordinary event and one easy to remedy and would in fact have set about remedying it in some way or other good or bad of course the indulgent reader is well aware that this behaviour of vox must be traced to some good psychological reason 
the thought that poor nanni's love for innocent jonathan was a misfortune which would exercise a pernicious influence upon the whole course of his subsequent life was only due to the perverse discord in vox's soul but the very fact that this discord was able to go on making itself heard in the otherwise harmonical character of this thoroughly noble man embraced the impossibility of smothering it or reducing it completely to silence wacht had made his acquaintance with the feminine character in one who possessed it in a simple but also at the same time grand and noble form his own wife had enabled him to see into the depths of the real woman's nature as in a bright mirror-like lake he saw in her the true heroine who fought with weapons that were constantly unconquerable his orphan wife had forfeited the inheritance of an immensely rich aunt she had forfeited the love of all her relatives and she had opposed with unshaken courage the persistent efforts of the church which embittered her life with many a hard trial when though herself trained up in the catholic religion she had married the protestant wacht and shortly before had gone over to this faith in augsburg impelled thereto by the pure enthusiasm of conviction all this now passed through master wacht's mind and as he thought upon the sentiments he had felt when he led the maiden to the altar the warm tears ran down his cheeks nanny was her mother over again wacht loved the child with an intensity of affection that was quite unparalleled and this fact was of itself more than enough to make him reject as abominable nay as fiendishly cruel any attempt to separate the lovers that appeared in the remotest degree to savour of violence when on the other hand he reflected upon the whole course of jonathan's previous life he was obliged to admit that all the virtues of a good industrious and modest youth could not easily be so happily united in another as they were in jonathan albeit his handsome expressive face bore the impress of traits which were perhaps a little too soft and almost effeminate and his diminutive and weak but elegant bodily frame bespoke a tender intellectual spirit when he reflected further that the two children had always been together and how evident had been their mutual liking for each other he was really puzzled to understand how it was that he had not expected beforehand what had now really happened and so could have taken precautions in time now it was too late he was urged on through the hills by a mood of mind which set his whole being in a turmoil of distraction such a state as this he had hitherto never experienced and he was inclined to take it for a seduction of satan since several thoughts arose in his mind which in the very next minute he could not help regarding as diabolical he could not recover his self-composure still less form any decisive plan of action the sun was beginning to set when he reached the village of Buch turning into the hotel he ordered something good to eat and a bottle of excellent beer from the rock ah a very fine evening ah what a remarkable occurrence to see our good master wach here in beautiful buch on this glorious sunday evening to tell you the truth i can hardly believe my eyes your respected family is i presume somewhere else in the country 
thus was master wacht addressed by someone with a shrill squeaking voice the man who thus interrupted his meditations was no less a personage than herr picard leberfink a decorator and gilder by trade and one of the drollest men in the world leberfink's exterior struck everybody's eye as something eccentric and extraordinary he was of small size thick and stumpy with a body too long and with short bowed legs his face was not at all ugly but good-natured with round red little cheeks and small grey eyes that were by no means wanting in vivacity pursuant to an old obsolete french fashion he was elaborately curled and powdered every day but it was on sundays that his costume was especially striking for then he wore to take one example a striped silk coat of a lilac and canary yellow colour with immense silver-plated buttons a waistcoat embroidered in gay tints satin hose of a brilliant green white and light blue silk stockings delicately striped and shining black polished shoes upon which glittered large buckles set with precious stones if to this we add that his gait was the elegant gait of a dancing-master that he had a certain cat-like suppleness of body and that his little legs had a strange knack of knocking the heels together on fitting occasions for instance when leaping across a gutter it could not fail but that the little decorator got himself singled out everywhere as an extraordinary creature with other aspects of his character my kindly reader will make an acquaintance presently master wacht was not altogether displeased at having his painful meditations interrupted in this way herr or better monsieur picard leberfink decorator and gilder was a great fop but at the same time the most honest and faithful soul in the world he was a very liberal-minded man was generous to the poor and always ready to serve his friends he only practised his calling now and again merely out of love for it since he had no need of business he was rich his father had left him some landed property having a magnificent rock-cellar which was only separated from master wacht's premises by a large garden master wacht was fond of the droll little leberfink on account of his downright genuineness and also because he was a member of the small protestant community which was permitted to exercise the rights of its faith in bomberg with conspicuous alacrity and willingness leberfink accepted wacht's invitation to join him at his table and drink another bottle of beer from the rock along with him he began the conversation by saying that for a long time he had been wanting to call upon master wacht at his own house since he had two things he wished to talk to him about one of which was almost making his heart burst wacht made answer he thought leberfink knew him and must be aware that anybody who had anything to say to him no matter what it was might speak out his thoughts frankly leberfink now imparted to the master in confidence that the wine-dealer who owned the beautiful garden with the massive pavilion which lay between their two properties had privately offered to sell it to him he thought he recollected having heard wacht once express a wish how very much he should like to own this garden 
if now the opportunity was come to satisfy this wish he Laborfink, offered his services as negotiator and expressed his willingness to settle everything for him it was a fact that master wacht had for some time entertained a desire to enlarge his property by the addition of a good garden and especially so since nanni was always longing for the beautiful shrubs and trees which gave out such a luxurious abundance of sweet scents in this very garden moreover it seemed to him now as if fortune were graciously smiling upon him and just at the time when poor nanni had experienced such bitter trouble an opportunity for affording her pleasure should present itself so unexpectedly the master at once settled all the needful particulars with the obliging decorator who promised that on the following sunday wacht should be able to stroll through the garden as its owner come now cried master wacht come now friend Laborfink, out with it what is it that is making your heart burst then herr picard Laborfink fell to sighing in the most pitiable manner and he pulled the most extraordinary faces and ran on with such a string of gibberish that nobody could make either head or tail of it master wacht however knew what to make of it for he shook his head saying ah that may be contrived and he smiled to himself at the wonderful sympathy of their related spirits this meeting with Laborfink had certainly done master wacht good he believed he had conceived a plan by virtue of which he should manage not only to stand against but even to overcome the severest and most terrible misfortune which according to his infatuated way of thinking had come upon him the only thing that can declare the verdict of the tribunal within him is the course of action he adopted and perhaps kindly reader this tribunal faltered for the first time here is the place to offer a brief remark which perhaps would not very well lend itself for insertion later as so frequently happens in such cases old barbara had interfered in the matter and been very urgent in her accusations of the loving pair to master wacht making it a special charge against them that they had always read worldly books together the master caused her to bring two or three of the books which nanni had one was a work of goethe's unfortunately it is not known which work it was after turning over the leaves he gave it back to barbara that she might restore it to the place whence she had secretly taken it not a single word about nanni's reading ever escaped him once only when some seasonable occasion presented at dinner did he say there is a remarkable mind rising up amongst us germans god grant him success my days are over such things are not for my age nor yet for my calling but you jonathan i envy you many things that will come to light in the days to come jonathan understood vox oracular words the more easily since some days previously he had discovered by chance gutz von berlichingen lying on the master's work-table half covered by other papers wacht's great mind whilst acknowledging the uncommon genius of the new writer had also perceived the impossibility of beginning a new flight himself end of part eleven section four Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.